I'm Shannon and I do want to make a trigger warning announcement with this episode of the podcast. We will be discussing drug use, self-harm, eating disorders, and mental health in this episode. Listener discretion is advised. Alright, so with that being said, we are traveling back in time to 2003 to one of my top five favorite movies of all time, 13. 13 is a coming-of-age film starring Evan Rachel Wood from Once and Again and Whatever Works. My first ever girl crush, Nikki Reed from Twilight, Lords of Dogtown, Chain Letter, and The O.C., and the wonderful Holly Hunter from Roe vs. Wade, Saving Grace, and Home for the Holidays. This film was also directed by Katherine Hardwick, who also directed Lords of Dogtown, The Nativity Story, Twilight, and Red Riding Hood. So with all of that being said, let's go ahead and talk about this film because I can spend hours talking about this film. I love this film. There's a reason why it is in my top favorite five movies of all time which says a lot considering it is also a relatively independent film Um, but everything about it is amazing and I strongly believe that this is a movie that more so moms and daughters should watch and discuss versus those with teenage sons However, it can go either way, but we are going to go ahead and start summarizing the film because, like I said, I can go on and on and on and on about it, and I would rather just go ahead and get the summary started so that I can spend the remainder of this episode discussing it and sharing my thoughts and opinions on this. So when we start the film off, we are introduced to Tracy, who is played by Evan Rachel Wood, and she comes across as sweet and innocent, and her relationship with her mother is friendly, but you can tell Tracy feels ignored, and you can also sense the insecurity off of her. You can see it on her, the depression and the anxiety. You can get that off of her immediately upon introduction to this film. She is also an honor student, makes her mom really proud, while her older brother, whose name is Mason, is kind of considered the screw-up, even though he's not a screw-up, he just does not do well in school, and he smokes weed. And her mom is also a recovering alcoholic and both of her parents are divorced and her father is a workaholic and i do want to go ahead and say that it is the start of the school year she is going into seventh grade and she has her own group of goody good friends one being vanessa hudgens who makes her one of her first ever roles in a film in this movie and Tracy's style at the beginning of the film is what Evie would call 
cabbage patch style very pastel-y light colored little girl type of clothing so we do see that Tracy is at lunch and she is eyeing Evie and Evie is played by Nikki Reed and she is considered the hottest bad girl in the school and Tracy decides to follow her in the bathroom and tries to impress Evie with her outfit. Um, at this point she did kind of get a wardrobe change so she's a little more I like to consider it rocker, but it's not really rock style. Um, it's really just like gothic. I don't even know what to consider the style. Um, I actually have that style and it's kind of just like basic, always wearing like black clothing with jeans. So I don't really know if it would be considered gothic. I know my grandmother used to consider my style gothic, but when you look up gothic style, that's not what it is. Um, but it's not rocker either we're just gonna go ahead and you know it's they, they wear black all the time and they show a lot of skin and they wear a lot of jewelry um but she does end up impressing evie with her outfit to which evie invites her out to shop on melrose and gives her a phone number and much to tracy's surprise she gets home and tries calling Evie and the number is a fake number. So she goes ahead and shows up on Melrose and is hanging with Evie and one of her friends. And much to Tracy's surprise, this is the start of her downward spiral. The surprise is Evie and the friend that she is currently with, Astrid, introduce Tracy to the world of shoplifting. So Tracy, you can obviously see, is very uncomfortable with it and they laugh at her so she walks out of the store and we see her sitting on a bench on a Melrose and this lady who seems pretty well off and was just shopping herself sits down on the bench with her and her purse falls open and Tracy goes ahead and steals the wallet and goes back into the store, shows both the girls, and they all go on a shopping spree. We are then introduced to Mel's boyfriend. Mel is Tracy's mom, and he just got out of rehab and is living in a halfway house. Over the course of the film, we do discover that Tracy harbors hard feelings for the couple and often belittles her mother and even Brady, who is her mom's boyfriend, over their choices. And we can see that she is very stressed out over the situation. And it is hard. If you are a female, you definitely remember being a teenage girl. Everything feels like it's the end of the world. And everything is so hard to understand and I mean I was a very stressed out teenager I don't I know not a lot of people were but I was a very stressed out teenager everything triggered me and everything would set me off very much like Tracy so as Evie and Tracy become inseparable and closer they are they consider themselves sisters 
they are not blood related but they do consider themselves sisters and as time goes on evie continues to introduce tracy to a world of sex drugs alcohol and so much more over the course of the film and we even see mel trying to break the two apart not liking what tracy is turning into and what tracy is turning into is even causing alarm for her older brother and her older brother thought evie was the hottest girl in school just like everybody else and he even starts resenting evie So with that being said, we do see both Tracy and Evie consuming drugs and alcohol throughout the film. They even drop acid at the park and we see them doing things that you typically wouldn't do if you weren't tripping. And we do see that they drink quite a bit, even to the point where they take beer out of Evie's cousin Guardian's refrigerator which she is perfectly fine with she is okay she knows they did it and she is just like hey if so and so calls you know tell them this is where I'm at so we do eventually find out that Tracy self-harms to cope with everything and that is a secret that Evie eventually finds out after sneaking into Tracy's room after a night out. And she sees blood on her long sleeve shirt and she knows what she is doing. Although Evie never confronts Tracy. Um, what triggered that episode is her feeling out of control. You can see that she does feel out of control and you can even feel it. And, you know, having your best friend who's been living at your house for weeks going and sneaking out of your bedroom to be with their boyfriend and saying you know you want to come it's only going to be us two and I mean she feels powerless she feels alone and unfortunately that is a feeling that a lot of teenage girls cope with and deal with on a regular basis and at this point in time in 2003 Mental health was not talked about, self-harm was not talked about, nothing was talked about. I remember being and growing up in 2003, dealing with the same things that Tracy dealt with, and it was such a topic nobody ever discussed. So at one point, Tracy does lose her virginity, and the girls get so high off of compressed air that they start punching each other eventually causing injuries to each other um tracy punches evie and evie ends up with a bloody cut on her forehead tracy gets a cut lip and she also gets punched so hard that she falls off the bed and whacks her head off the floor more than likely getting a concussion um, however, they start panicking and try to doll themselves up and cause a scene at the barbecue outdoor dinner that Tracy's mom, mom Mel, is having. Um, even at one point in the movie, Mel 
essentially opens our home to homeless people, which stresses Tracy out even more and makes her feel more isolated from her mom. At this point, Mel's boyfriend is now living with them again, and Mel's friend and her daughter are now living with them as well after being kicked out of their place, and it causes Tracy so much discomfort, and it just triggers her to continue going down the downward spiral that she is on. Um, so with all that being said, with the downward spiral that Tracy is going on, Mel is not able to deal with these changes and dealing with the situation. And it is getting to the point where you can tell that it is putting Mel's sobriety at risk. So she tries to pawn her daughter off to her ex-husband, who is Tracy and Mason's father. However, he refuses, which hurts Tracy even more. And she already felt like she was not cared about or loved by her father. And that kind of just triggers that feeling even more. And then just a side note, at the end of the movie, we do find out that Mason, Tracy's brother, tells her he is going to live with their dad. So there we have it even more. What tends to happen with cases of divorce is the father doesn't want one kid, but will take the other. And it makes Tracy feel even worse about herself. So we are fast forwarding and Mel is finally able to get Tracy to leave the family alone. She shows up at Evie's guardian's house, Brooke finds out that Brooke is home. She confronts Brooke saying, you know, I have been trying to call you for two weeks and she was supposed to be away on a business trip, business trip or something. I don't know. Evie has so many stories to why she needs to live with Mel and Tracy. So many stories. And, you know, she got gets abused by Brooke's boyfriend. Um, Brooke does this and that to her. Her mom is dead. Her mom is a crack whore. Um, I mean, literally just everything in the book, Evie will constantly bring up to try to get Mel to let her live with them. However, Mel finds out that Brooke is home and says to Evie that, you know, you can stay home now. And this is after... Evie and Tracy tried to convince Mel to adopt Evie and when Mel says that to Evie, Evie has a meltdown, Tracy follows her and they exchange a look between each other. Um, at this point Tracy does side with her mom saying you know well Brooke is home now so I guess you don't need to stay at the house. And. It's almost like Tracy honestly believed everything that Evie said, and now that Brooke is home, she's like, well, you know, here you go. You can stay here as well. And unfortunately, if you have ever been a teenage girl, you know the ultimate girl move with any girl when they get betrayed by another girl is turning everyone against that other girl. I have been there. I've done the turning, and I've been turned on. It is not fun, and Evie goes ahead and turns everyone against Tracy after this. 
she feels like she was let down by Tracy and I honestly believe too at the same point Evie is very manipulative so I do believe when she realizes that Tracy is no longer being able to be manipulated by her she is just moving on to bigger and better things as a result so as Evie is turning everyone against Tracy at some point in time she tells Tracy that Brooke found their stash in her room however I don't know if that's true or not I don't know if you know Evie just wanted to make one more move against Tracy and blame Tracy for everything or not but Evie and Brooke end up showing up at Tracy's home and Tracy gets picked up by Brady, her mom's boyfriend, and she walks into the house and there is essentially an intervention going on between Brooke, Evie, and Mel. And they confront Tracy over everything. You know, the drugs, the shoplifting, the tons of money that are in her purse. She has $860 or $866 in cash in her purse. And it turns out that Evie blamed her for everything. And Brooke is now blaming Tracy for everything as well, saying that she is a bad influence on Evie. And Tracy fights back with, where do you think I learned this shit from? And Mel points out that Evie came along and changed Tracy. Tracy was playing with Barbie dolls before she met Evie. And Brooke continues to go after Tracy, which I am surprised Mel did not beat her ass. I, I sure as hell would have. But if I was also in Tracy's position, I probably would have punched Brooke in the face. Actually, my teenage self was in that position at one point, And I did punch the person. So there you go. Um, but anyways, um, Brooke then takes it upon herself to pull up Tracy's sleeve, showing Mel that she has been self-harming, which I'm sorry if somebody did that to my daughter, that definitely would have set me over the edge and I definitely would have punched them in the face because that is not your place. I understand that self-harm is a very serious thing, but Evie used all of everything that they did everything that she knew about Tracy she used it against Tracy to turn everybody against her including Brooke making it seem like Tracy was this bad girl when she really wasn't and it was all Evie and to walk into somebody's home and throw all of these allegations at my daughter and following her in the house while she's walking away and then taking her arm and physically pulling her sleeve up to show that she is self-harming. That is just a big no-no. I would have punched you in the face. And the film ends with Mel and Tracy on the floor of their kitchen. And she's crying. And we see that they eventually get into bed. Tracy wakes up and goes to the playground and is on the wheelie thing that they used to have 
me and my friends used to hang out on these things. I don't really know what they're called. It's the thing that has like the bars on it and you can spin around on it and hold the bars and stuff and that's what she's doing. I don't know what they're called. Um, and that's how the film ends. So time for me to get into my opinions on the movie and spend the next like two hours talking about it because this movie is just completely amazing. The movie is amazing from the lighting, the editing, you know, the colors is very blue and very cool toned. And the colors that are displayed in this movie are because we are seeing what Tracy is seeing, what Tracy is feeling. And, you know, obviously they did have to do some editing for the color because of child labor laws. The girls were only 15 at the time. So they were not able to work as many hours or during certain hours as some other adult actors would be able to. So in the beginning of the film, it is a slightly desaturated lighting, which is before Tracy and Evie become friends. Once they become friends, it increases to kind of like a glowy effect which I take it as you know her being under the influence her kind of sort of feeling better about herself and you know she has a different outlook on life right now and then the saturation becomes less and less going towards a darker point you know there's a turning point and it gets darker and you can even see the shift change in Tracy herself at this point. You know, she slowly starts realizing, you know, Evie isn't a good person. And she could be manipulating the situations. And she slowly starts feeling bad for herself again. I see the same looks in the body language from the beginning of the film before she started being friends with Evie. You can see that anxiety, that depression, and that insecurity in her. So, when I said in the beginning of this po podcast that this was a relatively independent film, it was so independent and low budget that the girls wore their own clothes, which is kind of cool because that is my style today and that is that was my style back then as well that was even my style when I was 13 so you know even more of a reason why this is my favorite one of my favorite movies and um they obviously did not do actual drugs in the film they obviously did not actually smoke cigarettes in the film due to being underage even though Nikki Reed was a smoker at the time and that is about like it for the fun facts on the film um nikki reed did write this based off of her life um her character was based off of a girl that she knew 
Meanwhile, Tracy was kind of based off of Nikki Reed. Um, oh, I do have a fun fact. So, when Tracy is getting her belly button pierced by Evie in the bedroom, Nikki Reed actually did pierce Evan Rachel Wood's belly button. And that is why they freak out. That whole scene was not scripted. That was a complete accident and a complete fail at faking the belly button ring. And the tongue ring was fake for Evan Rachel Wood as well. She did not actually get her tongue pierced. And you can tell that it's not real because the ball was too big. I had my tongue pierced for six years and I have never been able to see a tongue ring with a ball that big. But Nikki Reed's tongue piercing was real. She did have her tongue pierced in real life as well, so. And my opinions on this movie is I love it. I will fight anyone who wants to say that this movie sucks because it is amazing and it is very triggering especially if you've gone through a lot of this stuff that they deal with it is very triggering if you can relate to any aspect of this film and for me personally I was both Evie and Tracy growing up I had friends that were equally both as well and we did the same exact things that they were doing and it's kind of scary when you think about it which is why i strongly believe that this is a movie that moms need to sit down and watch with their daughters because you know all it takes is that one girl to feel completely insecure depressed out of control finding that one person that makes her feel like she's gaining her security back and can make her life better and lead them down this road. I do also believe that both Tracy and Evie have a very toxic codependency on each other and you know I believe and you can even see it in the film that Tracy is very dependent on Evie. She she looks up to Evie. She was aspiring to be everything that Evie was, and then she finally had it. And Evie was very much codependent on Tracy because she loved the environment that Tracy was from. She loved Tracy's mom. And I think personally, like I said, I believe Evie is a very good manipulator. And I believe that she also was on a power trip with manipulating Tracy. I, for a second, will not believe that she was not fully aware of what she was doing to Tracy. And I do believe that those two did honestly have a good friendship, but it was a toxic and a very codependent friendship. I don't know if that makes sense. I believe that they didn't mean to do any harm to each other, but I do believe that the relationship it itself was toxic. I mean, they were doing drugs with each other. They were having sex. They were 
dropping acid, they were stealing, they were self-harming, like just a very bad relationship. And, you know, she, I do want to go ahead and say that Evie did not like encourage Tracy to self-harm. Tracy was self-harming before she met Evie. And that is more than likely due to the fact that she did have all of those feelings that she felt. I kind of wish, though, at the end of the film, I kind of wish they, like, fast-forwarded a few months or maybe even a year or two to see where Tracy was at. So at the end of the movie, we do find out that Evie is moving away with Brooke, and we find out that Evie... Not Evie. We also find out that... Tracy is failing seventh grade and is more than likely not going to be able to go into eighth grade. She is more likely going to be kept back. And holla, I was kept back twice because all I did was skip class and skip school. And when I was in class, I didn't pay any attention. I failed seventh grade. If it weren't for the fact that summer school was an option, I would have gotten kept back in seventh grade. Um, I ended up having to take two classes over the summer in order to not be kept back and um I failed sophomore year I think it was sophomore year that I failed and I got kept back and I ended up having to take I was so far behind in high school I failed freshman year, but I was able to go into sophomore year, but then I failed sophomore year completely, and that was when I got kept back, and I had so many credits that I had to make up in order to graduate in 2011 that I ended up having to take a shit ton of classes online in order to graduate on time. However, the irony of that is that I ended up dropping out of school, so you know, whatever. Um, but I would have loved to have seen just a very quick and brief, you know, where she's at now. A few months later or a couple of years later, you know, was she still struggling with what she was struggling with? Was she still struggling with depression, anxiety, insecurities, self-harm? She also did suffer from an eating disorder. She did not like eating and she would dodge it every single time she got a chance in the film and her mom even worries about her by constantly mentioning you know have you eaten today have you eaten today and you know she would just get all mad and I would have loved to have seen if she got help for that as well um, but unfortunately they do not do a fast forward scene and I really would have loved to have seen that I would have just loved to have known where she was at and I think that would have been a positive spin on the movie as well the movie is very dark it's very gloomy and it's very depressing and as I said it is very triggering and you know I think everybody deserves to know that there is a bright side at the end of it and in 2003 where mental health self-harm all of these issues were not widely talked about, I feel like it would have been even more important to do a fast forward. 
Um, I mean, you were already doing a movie that caused a lot of controversy. And why not just do one more thing and add that positive spin at the end of it? I mean, I know personally, it probably would have helped me a little bit considering I went through the same exact things that those two went through in the film. I would have loved to have known that there was a light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, you're already isolated as a teenager. You already feel alone. And then not knowing what comes after is even worse. And I think that that's what they should have done. But they didn't. Moving on. Um, with that being said, this is the longest podcast episode that I have had so far. We are only a few episodes in, but I'm going to have to stop myself here because I can go on and on and on and on. And I don't think people want to hear me just going on about this movie. So it is definitely a movie that if you haven't seen, I highly recommend watching at least once. Whether you're a male or a female, watch it. And I do want to go ahead and mention that Nikki Reed has came out very recently and said that she does regret writing this movie the way she did. Because even though she was very young when she wrote it, she has stated looking back on it now she didn't portray people in her life fairly she feels bad that she portrayed her mother in her life the way that she did and she feels bad that she portrayed her father as not caring about her when that wasn't necessarily the case either um that being said very quickly before i go ahead and end this podcast i do want to mention that Nikki Reed and Katherine Hardwick were in a family together. So Katherine Hardwick was essentially Nikki Reed's stepmother. Katherine had dated and was involved with Nikki's father. And as a result, this is how 13 was able to be made. This was able to be made because Catherine and Nikki teamed up once Nikki wrote this script and they got together and they did this movie. And this movie earned Hardwick a directing award at the Sundance Film Festival Awards in 2003. And a fun fact as well, Brie Larson actually auditioned for one of the roles it is not known which role she did um, but she did audition for one of the roles and eventually lost that obviously because she's not in the movie um and i think that is pretty cool because at the same point in time of this being filmed she was actually in right on track which is a disney movie so it is just funny to see the difference that she was working in right on track but was trying to get a role in a movie like this so with that being said I am now going to end this podcast episode and go ahead and call quits because I'm just gonna keep going into this movie and I don't think anybody wants me to continue on so Um, With that being said, 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. As always, my name is Shannon, and the Instagram is up and running, so go ahead and give the Instagram a quick follow. The Instagram is just at that's a wrap underscore podcast. And yeah, that's a wrap. I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye.